Today we're going to get back into talking about David. We will be in 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you have not already turned there, you can go ahead and get your Word of God out. And you can turn there. If you'd like to do that on the YouVersion app, please feel free to do that on your tablet or phone. You can find the outline there and the scriptures in the same translation that I have. Or if you've got a Bible, please open it up. Because I don't come up here to tell you what you need to know. I come up here to give you something that you can eat on yourself, and that is the Word of God. So I want you to have your Word with you today. But I want to begin with this. Maybe it's just me, but it seems like we live in a world of angry people today. Come on, anybody with me? It seems like we live in a world of frustrated people who are on the edge of an outburst. It seems like there are reactions on the left and right. There are mothers against daughters and daughters against mothers and sons against fathers and fathers against sons and neighbors against neighbors. And and we cannot even park in a parking lot and back out without somebody getting mad at us now. I remember a day, if you were in a parking spot and you were backing up, the people who were coming down the lane would actually stop and let you back up out of courtesy. And I see heads nodding. I want you to know you better be looking if you back up now because they will run over you. What has happened to our culture? There are multiple shootings of, of, of road rage. There are multiple cases of, of, of violence and anger and beatings. And it's going on everywhere in our culture. Some blame it on the coronavirus and saying that the quarantine has caused people to be on edge and their emotions and this being inside has, has bottled up so much inside of them. Some will say that people are just getting meaner. I say it's the devil at work trying to divide all of us. And today, God laid something on my heart two or three weeks ago, actually, about the story of David and Saul. And I wasn't exactly sure that it would be today, but it worked out that it's today that we're going to dive in. We're going to get into this. We're going to really look at God's Word when it has to deal with us dealing with a very frustrated, angry culture. How many of you have had somebody get angry at you because of your driving? friend of mine just this week said that he just pulled over and parked and all of a sudden somebody pulled up beside him, beside him and said he was number one and did not use that finger. <laughs> and his response was this. It's a good thing I know Jesus because in my younger day, I'd have followed him. We live in a culture that everywhere you turn, it seems like somebody's being frustrated or angry or they'll have an outburst at you or, or we, we watch the news and all these people who are fighting. What has happened to our world? How do we cope in this culture of what I'm going to say is ugly? This ugliness that's coming from people. What do we do in such a culture of unkindness and anger? Let me tell you, one of the big reasons that I think it's so prevalent is because God's people are not acting like Jesus. Amen. I got one amen. Let me try that again. The reason the culture is getting worse is because God's people aren't acting like Jesus in the amen. midst of it. 
We have people today who are not acting like Jesus and yet they will go to church on Sunday morning or listen to a preacher or do their devotions in the morning. But when they're driving down the road, they put all that aside and they drive like they, they have an agenda and a vendetta about everybody around them. If that's you today, hold on, it's not going to get easier. God has called us to a higher standard. And our culture will not change until God's people change. And, and, and God's people who are in God's house start acting like Christ Himself. It will not get any different. So today, let's dive in. The context of what's going on here is David has, has done the great feat that just about everybody in this world knows about. And that is when David killed Goliath. And David has has got this great victory. He took the weapons of Goliath and put it into his tent. And he had the head of Goliath. And he goes and he sees King Saul. And King Saul is thrilled. And the army of Israel pursues the Philistines and kills a bunch of them. And they have victory. And David is before the king. And Saul is pleased that, that he is seeing this victory. And there's a new man that enters into the scene of David's life. The man's name is Jonathan. Jonathan's soul is knit, as it says in verse 1. It is knit together with David. And one of the reasons is, if you look in chapter 14 of 1 Samuel, you'll find that Jonathan was a man of great courage, great character, who did not back down. He went forward. If God said go, Jonathan was there. But yet with Goliath, Jonathan wasn't even on the battlefield. He stayed back. But David went out there and faced Goliath and was victorious in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the God Yahweh. And so what happens is, as David is standing before Saul, Saul took David, you can read this in verse 2, and would not let him return to the shepherd's field anymore. Would not let him return to be a shepherd that he's grown up being. He, he said, you are going to stay here with me. And everything seemed to be good. And Jonathan does something very interesting. Jonathan takes his own stuff, if you will, that makes him the prince and gives it to David. Jonathan doesn't know about the prophecy. Jonathan doesn't know David has been anointed to be king. But Jonathan, the prince, the son of the king, gives his stuff to David because their hearts and their souls are knit together, best of friends, immediately. See, God had a plan. And he did not reveal to David everything that was going to happen. He did not even tell him what would happen the day after. Because what if he had? Because what was coming was going to be a test and a trial. Well, King Saul, in verse 5, David went out wherever Saul sent him, and David prospered. Let me tell you, when you've got the Lord in your life and you're pursuing after Him, you're going to find some prosperity in your life. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and, and, and be a prosperity gospel preacher and tell you if you just name it and claim it, it's going to be good. Because sometimes you name it and it's really bad. Yeah. And this is something that happens in David's life. But right here, God has anointed him. The, the Spirit of God was upon David and he prospered. And Saul sent him over the men, set him over the men of war. And it was pleasing in, sight, in the sight of all the people and all of Saul's servants. 
It was pleasing to them. And it happened in verse 6. Read with me. It happened as they were coming, when David returned from killing the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Sounds great, doesn't it? Except for the next verse. Then Saul became angry, very angry, for this saying displeased him. And he said, they have, ascended, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. Let me tell you, David had a remarkable achievement in his life. He was a young man who had never worn a uniform, who had never been in a battle on a battlefield with other men. He never once carried a sword. But he ran out onto a battlefield. And on that battlefield, in the name of the Lord, he faced a giant that was 10 feet tall almost. And he killed him. And with one throw of a sling, that giant fell. And David was thrust into popularity. David was a national hero just like that. And people began to sing his praises and lift him up and say, Look at David, how great David is. And Saul made good on his promise and enriched him. Set him over other men. And David became a permanent part of the king's court. The very place that God had anointed and called him to be. David became an overnight celebrity and he was popular very few people could take all that in stride and handle it well because I'm here to tell you sometimes success is your greatest downfall success will reveal your character thankfully David was at a place and God knew that his character would withstand the test that was coming but he needed to go through this test to prepare him let me tell you something. A test makes you better. Temptation is there to tear you down. So as David is going into this test, it's a rare person who can handle the public recognition and yet stand like he did in the name of his God with character. As we dive into this, I want us to talk about the ugly that's going to take place. David has done nothing that's going to deserve it. He's done nothing to even know it's coming. So let's talk about this. Let's lean into this for a second because I'm telling you, sometimes these same things happen to you and I in 2021 in our everyday life and the culture we live. The first thing is this. It was completely undeserved. Absolutely undeserved. David did nothing to deserve the ill treatment he was going to get from this man who was the king. Verses 6 and 7, it happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with the tambourines, with joy, with musical instruments. The women sang as they played. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. David was doing what he was asked to do by the king and he did it well. As a matter of fact, later Jonathan actually in, in chapter 19, he comes to his dad to King Saul, and he says these words. 
He says, Do not let the king sin against his servant David, since he has not sinned against you, and since his deeds have been very beneficial to you. Verse 5 of chapter 19, For he took his life in his own hand and struck the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by persecuting David to death without a cause? David did nothing to deserve the way he was being treated. His motives were right. His actions were right. His leadership was right. His respect for the king was right. But people sang his praises and said, Job well done, and Saul did not like it. The murderous hatred of Saul would follow King David for a very long time. And yet, King David did nothing to deserve, to deserve it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to make something very clear. I am the very first one that will tell people and talk about people need to take responsibility. People need to take responsibility. We live in a culture where nobody is at fault for anything. Amen. Some people just need to step up and say, you know what, I'm, I made a mistake. Whoops. Uh-oh. That's on me. But we live in a culture that they want to find a, a, an excuse and a reason that everybody else is the problem and not themselves. That is not where I'm going with this today. I'm going when, when a man of God or a woman of God, you are about your own business doing the right things, living the right way, and somebody's going to treat you bad. They're going to cut you off. They're going to say something to you. They're going to cut in front of you in line. They're, they're just going to be rude. They're going to be mean. They're going to say something on social media. They're going to send you an email, a text, a phone call. You're just going to be walking down the street minding your business and somebody's going to do something that's just ugly. And you, it's absolutely undeserved. What do we do as children of God when it's completely undeserved and we're treated badly? Well, the second characteristic of this ugliness has to do with it's unprovoked. Not only is it undeserved, but it's unprovoked. Look at verse 8 and 9. Then Saul became very angry for this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed thousands. You know what that's called? It's called jealousy. He was jealous because people liked, liked David more than they liked him. Let me tell you, if you are pursuing popularity, whether it's in social media or at school or at, at, in your neighborhood or within your family, it will destroy you. Stop trying to be popular and just try to be a child of God doing God's will. Be comfortable in who He has made you and called you to be. And let all the other people worry about the, the problems of this world of trying to be popular. But Saul wanted to be popular. And he was upset. But let's keep reading. Verse 13 through 16. Verse 13. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence. Saul had gotten, gotten kind of belligerent again. And this evil spirit had come upon Saul once again. And, 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 and he was acting crazy. And so David, as he had done before, started playing the harp. Verse 13. Now Saul was afraid of David. Nope, that's verse 12. Verse 13. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and appointed him as his commander of a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. Saul just wanted to get him out of his way, move him from where he was at. 
Let's back up to verse 10. Now it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul. And he raved in the midst of the house while David was playing the harp with his hand. Check this out. As usual, and a spear was in Saul's hand. He was holding a spear. And Saul hurled the spear for he thought I will pin David to the wall. He was not playing pin the tail on the donkey, ladies and gentlemen. He wasn't playing a game. He was trying to take that spear, stick it through David's body, and stick that spear into the wall. Completely unprovoked. It wasn't anything that David had done to cause him to want to do that. David was there trying to help the guy out. If you remember earlier, we talked about how that music would soothe Saul and make things better. And David was there trying to do what he had done before. And now that Saul knows his name and he's seen what's going on, Saul don't like it because he's gotten jealous. Totally unprovoked. Totally undeserving. And the king slings a spear at him trying to kill him. Ladies and gentlemen, there are people in this world today that would just as soon shoot you and kill you than to look at you. They get so angry and mad simply because you take too long at a stoplight or you turn too slow in your car and they want to run you over and just shoot you down. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's the work of the evil one. It should never be the work of God's people in God's house. But we can become like that person if we're not careful. Because we get caught up in this idea that, well, that was undeserved and unprovoked. That person shot a bird at me. Well, I'm going to tell them exactly what I think of them. Maybe they don't hear you, but you say it out loud in your car. Come on now, I'm stepping on, on some toes today. I'm, this is just the truth in the Word of God. Because if our culture is going to change, it has to start in this room. It has to start in your seat. So when you're in your car and somebody makes you mad, start singing a praise song instead of getting in the flesh. It was completely unprovoked. The bad treatment was not about David. It was about Saul. Ladies and gentlemen, do you hear me? The bad treatment was not about David, but it was about Saul. It was the one who was doing the bad, who was trying to kill him that had the problem, not the one that he was trying to kill. So let me just venture to say that the person in your life who's treating you horrible, treating you bad, you're not really the problem. The problem is really within their heart. So don't look at it as a battle against flesh and blood, but understand it is a battle against spiritual wickedness in high places, against principalities. It is a battle. It's not against you. There's something very interesting in, in, in verse 8. It says that Saul became very angry. There's a Hebrew word there that is translated angry. It's very vivid. It's charah. It means to burn within. Can we have some confession today? Has anybody ever here just kind of been angry like that and burned within? I'm going to put my hand up. I have. I've been that way. And when you're burning within and it, it's, 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 just, it's just, you're displeased and it's just rolling over inside of you and that emotion is coming up and you're just burning with, with being upset, frustrated, angry, whatever you want to call it. God gets angry, but He never sins. The Bible says to be angry and sin not. It's okay. Can I give you the freedom to be angry today? It's okay to get mad. But it's what you do when you're mad.
that makes a difference. It appears today that in our culture, the barriers and the walls that have been put up in the social interacting of people have been torn down and destroyed. No longer do they stop and think about what they're about to say or what they're about to do. They just blurt it out and say, well, in the name of Jesus, he just, he just giving me a heart to tell you what like it is. I'm just going to tell you the truth. If somebody makes me mad, I'm just going to let them know and I'm just going to lay it out there. But yet there was a time when people mattered more than your own personal feelings. Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we're attacking our neighbors and those we don't even know by name, how can we love God whom we have not even seen if we hate our brother and sister whom we have? Today, as we're looking at David, David was faced with a situation many of us have found ourselves in or we see on TV or we hear about in the news where somebody rises up. It's unprovoked. And it's undeserving. And they are attacking. And the last thing is, we find that it was blindsided. Completely blindsided by this whole thing. Verse 11, Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his presence twice at that moment. You would think David, David would go, well, enough of him. I'm not going back to that place. That man has lost his mind. He's crazy. I'm staying away from him. But you know what David did? David went back. David went back. If you look in chapter 19, verses 8 through 10, you're going to find that David went out and, and he's gotten married by this point and he's gone out again to war and, and, and he is just being prosperous Left and right, he's wise, he's smart, and great things are happening. And you know what it's doing to Saul? It is messing Saul up more and more. Because Saul understands. There's a verse that, when you read through this, Saul understood that the hand of the Lord was no longer on Saul, but it was on David. Verse 8 of chapter 19. When there was war again, David went out and fought with the Philistines and defeated them with great slaughter, so that they fled before him. See, the Philistines were afraid of David. So was Saul. Now there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. Sound familiar? And David was playing the harp with his hand once again. And Saul tried to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence so that he stuck the spear into the wall and David fled and escaped that night. That is the last time David will be with Saul there in the, the court of the king. He goes home and his wife, which is Saul's daughter, actually hides him and, and gets him out the back because their soldiers coming to kill him in the morning. She actually takes, and this is interesting, she takes the household idol, interesting, that's for another time and another conversation. But she takes the household idol, puts it in the bed, puts goat hair at the top, puts some clothes on it, and puts it under his sheet. And when they came to get David, she said, oh, he's sick. When they found out it was a fake David and David had escaped, she's standing before Saul and she says, well, he said he'd kill me if I didn't do that. 
This lady, Michael, you can read in verse 20 of chapter 18, loved David. But at this point, David and Michael would not be together anymore. David would have so many things taken away from him because of an attack that was undeserving, unprovoked, and that blindsided him. David was not expecting bad treatment. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He didn't know that it was coming. But Saul only saw David as a threat. But David saw Saul as the king of Israel that God had put there and he was to respect him. He understood through the, the lens of God that Saul was not someone he should even try to go against. David did not seek revenge. Even though they were throwing a spear at him. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you today, don't defend yourself. I am the first to tell you, if someone's coming at you to hurt you, defend yourself. But David, he just escaped because he did not want to lay a hand on this man Saul who was king of Israel placed there by God. His insight, his vision was different. So the response is this. We look at David and we go, how in the world could David do this? How does David respond in the way that he does? Because let's just be real, all right? Just between me and you. Somebody does that and you want to slap them silly, right? Mm -hmm. You want to punch them in the mouth. Yeah. You want to throw them on the ground and, 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 and tear their arm off and beat them to death with it. You know, you want to just absolutely, you throw a spear at me? Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'm going to be real with you. Throw a spear at me, I might be okay with it. You throw it at my wife and kids, and there's about to be a fight. Mm -hmm. That's right. But David, how does he respond the way that he does? What is going on? Can this story even be real, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, it can. Because there is a difference between David and Saul and it's not because David just thought different and it's not simply because David had different character than Saul. David had the Spirit of God upon his life and was, that's what was driving him. He was not being driven by simply the flesh and by what he learned out of a book or an article or a conference, he was being driven by the Spirit of God and that led him to simply escape and not touch that man. You know what he was doing? He was letting God take care of business. He was letting God deal with Saul rather than him. See, we think that what other people deserve who's been mean to us, that we didn't provoke, that it's undeserving and it's blindsided, we think we're the ones who need to make things right and straighten things out. We make it about us, don't we? David didn't make it about him. David stepped back. And David let God deal with it. Now David had some issues that he had to deal with later and he's wondering why in the world is your dad doing this? He says to Jonathan in chapter 20. But here's the difference. If you want to talk about the response, here's how it will make a difference in your life. My response to the ugly must be fueled, must be fueled, has to be fueled. Circle it, underline it, highlight it, make, put it in capital letters, whatever. My response to the ugly must be fueled by the Spirit of God and not my flesh. This world is being fueled by the flesh. 
They're being fueled by their own frustrations and their own anger and the stuff that's going on and they're attacking and they're being mean and they're being ugly and it's hard to even go to a store now and, and w without being on eggshells going, i got to be careful what I say, what I do. Man, if I say something, somebody's going to get angry. If I say something about a mask, somebody's going to say something ugly to me. If I say anything about vaccinating, somebody's going to say something ugly to me. I can't talk about politics. I can't talk about religion because people are just, can we say it together, ugly. But if we walk in the flesh, we will never be the light of Jesus Christ to those people who need Him most. My response to the ugly must be fueled by the Spirit of God. David was anointed king, and we can see that Saul understood in verse 12 of chapter 18. I have the word wow and underlined right next to this verse. Now Saul was afraid of David, for the Lord was with him, David, but had departed from Saul. Saul was walking in the flesh. David was walking in the spirit. It really reveals our hearts, does it not? Doesn't it reveal our heart? Look in verse 18 of chapter 18. Verse 18 of chapter 18. But David said to Saul, Who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? other words, Saul has offered his oldest daughter to David and said, Hey, take my daughter. Marry her. And David says, I'm not worthy of her. No, king. You're king. I'm not. Even though he's thrown a spear at him, he's still respecting the king. How does he do that unless the Spirit of God is upon him and he understands who he is and God's calling in his life that he can walk and say, you know what, king? That's okay. He does wind up marrying one of the king's daughters. And Saul actually wants the Philistines to kill David. And he comes up with schemes and ways for David to have to go fight the Philistines. And you know what happens every time? David kicks their butt. Oh, goodness, I just said but from the stage. Jane's not in here. I'm safe. <laughs> David just kicks their tail. And it may... <laughs> yes, ma'am, Miss Juanita. <laughs> just kicks their tail. And he, he defeats them every single time. And it makes Saul even more upset. So he actually thinks that his daughter will be a downfall as well to David. And it doesn't work that way. He wants to see David defeated, but God had a plan to see him be victorious. And when David walked in the Spirit and embraced the Spirit of the Lord to guide him, he was able to find victory. We, we should not be fighting against people, ladies and gentlemen. We need to be fighting against the real enemy and sin in our life and in the lives of other people. We don't need to be fighting against people and one another. We should not be using they and them and those people. and We need to just be about God's business and let the Spirit guide us. Let me ask you a question. How do you view people? How do you view the people that are on your friends list on Facebook? How do you view the people when you go to a store? Some are wearing a mask and some are not. How do you view people who have a different opinion than you? How do you view people when they believe something is right and you're convicted morally that it is wrong? How do you view that person? Do you persecute them and cast them away and push them away? 
You say, they do not deserve my presence. Look at what they're saying. Look at what they're doing. Look at how they're treating me and treating other people. Is that what God wants and Jesus wants? G.K. Chesterfield said this, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. In other words, it's not that this pathway that Jesus has laid out for us has not been tried. It's just that it's been found difficult and people won't try it. In Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to make this about Jesus just for a few moments if you don't mind. In Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to go to the words of Christ Himself. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking. This is not Pastor Clyde talking, but this is Jesus. He said this, You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Let me break it down in 2021. You have heard it was said, when somebody shoots you a bird, shoot one back. When someone says a cuss word to you, cuss them back. If somebody don't do it the, your way, just yell at them. Jesus said, you have heard it was said to do that. But, Jesus said, I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn, him away from, turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Jesus does not want us to be abused. But he doesn't want us to walk in the flesh and try to seek revenge ourselves. As a matter of fact, he said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Let me tell you today, what Jesus is telling us is this. If you want to reflect being a son of God, a child of God, if you want to reflect being a follower of Christ, there are times you need to keep your mouth shut. There are times that we need to just smile. Because it's not about you. The problem is with them. We take it too personally sometimes. Sometimes we need to step back and understand. What they think about me and what they say to me does not change my relationship with Jesus Christ at all. You know what changes my relationship with Jesus Christ? What comes out of my mouth? Next. What I do with my hands and my feet. What I do with my car. That will affect my relationship with Jesus Christ. Not your security, but your relationship. This is not easy. And the only way to accomplish what Christ has called us to do and be is with the Spirit of God driving the ship, driving the boat, not us. There's a man, Sundar Singh, on September the 3rd, 1905. He was baptized. He became a follower of Christ and he was baptized. 
He was then called to do mission work and to tell people in villages about Jesus Christ. On one occasion, he went into this village and he was telling them about Jesus and they did not like it because this is a Hindu population. There was a Buddhist in the area. They didn't like hearing about Jesus, so they rejected him. As a, as a matter of fact, one day as he stood there, they began to hurl rocks at him and one hit him in the head. Just a few minutes later, the man who threw the rock, who was working and harvesting, suddenly had a headache so bad he had to stop working. This man, this man Sundar Sunim, he did not go, huh, you deserve that. He went over and picked up the tools the man was using. Even though that man had hit him in the head with a rock, he went over, picked up that man's tools, and began doing the harvesting for him. I want you to know, multiple people came to faith in Christ because what he did spoke louder than what he had been saying. Even the man who had thrown the rock came to know Jesus. They went out to take inventory of their harvest and come to find out they had the largest harvest that they had ever had. At that time. When we respond as God wants us to respond, God will do greater things than you ever think you can if you try to get revenge. So let me tell you, surprise the enemy. Don't seek revenge. Surprise them by responding in different ways. See, there's a reaction that we must suppress so that we can respond as Christ. There's two different things there. A reaction is what you would do immediately. We have to suppress that reaction when it's in the flesh. And we have to respond like Jesus. David, before Jesus was on earth and began to speak his words, David understood God had called him to respond differently. It's a lot easier to punch your enemy's lights out. Somebody say amen. amen. It's a lot easier to just punch their lights out. To, to devise ways to fight back. To get even because that satisfies your flesh and makes you feel better. It's a lot easier to keep it than to give. Because that comes naturally. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 to love your enemy and to pray for them. See... That's God's way, not our way. And it boils down to this. If you want to walk in victory in Christ and be a light for Him, it's the difference between pleasing your flesh and pleasing the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, what this is about today is not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. We all have to walk through it. But I'm here to declare to you, God is not going to reject you if you respond in the flesh, but He wants to grow you if you'll respond in the Spirit. He wants to do something great. So what must I do? You need to prepare your heart now for the ugly that is to come. I'm going to give you some truth. I am not a prophet, nor do I play one on, on TV, but I became a televangelist the day coronavirus sent us all into quarantine. But I will tell you this. Every single person sitting in this room 
There's a 99% possibility you're going to encounter somebody being ugly to you, maybe even this week or maybe even today. Prepare your heart now. Don't wait for it to happen to do something. Prepare your heart now for that moment. How you will respond. Decide now you do not want to walk in the flesh, but you want to walk in the Spirit. The second thing is this. You want to prepare well? Spend time with the Lord getting to know me better. Getting to know yourself better. Spend time with the Lord knowing how God has called you and what He has said about you. That when somebody comes at you, you don't have to feel so threatened anymore. So that when somebody says something about you, you don't have to feel like, oh, everything has just gone away. You can be confident in saying, you know what? God's going to fight this battle. That's what David did. God's going to fight this battle with Saul. I'm not going to fight it. God is. You know, today, as we bring this down to where the rubber meets the road, I'm going to give you a challenge today that's not going to be easy. But it's going to be rewarding. If you will do this, you're going to find it difficult. But you're going to find a great reward. You know how we talked about earlier that the ugly will blindside you. It'll be unprovoked and it's undeserving. Let's flip that around. Instead of ugly, let's bring kindness. Let's bring kindness to people and let it be unprovoked. Let it blindside people. And let, us, let it be undeserving to people. So your seven day challenge is blindside someone with kindness who does not deserve it. That's completely the opposite of what the flesh wants to do. That's completely the opposite of what the enemy wants you to do. He doesn't want you to blindside someone with kindness who doesn't deserve it. They want you, the enemy, the devil, wants you to do a blindside block against somebody. When they're not looking, just lay them out. Hit them hard. But ladies and gentlemen, what if we, those of us in this room, those of us watching and listening to this message, what if we rise up and say, you know, enough with the unprovoked, undeserved, and blindsided ugliness in this world. I'm going to start something where I'm going to blindside people who don't deserve it with kindness. Now, you're not going to be able to do it in the flesh. You've got to do it in the Spirit of God. Because the devil's going to come at you and try his best to take you to a place that you're going to wish later you never went. But what does God want to do through you if you respond with kindness? Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the difficulty of the truth of your word that declares to us this day how we are to respond. To respond in the spirit and not in the flesh. And Lord, for those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the spirit is not there to direct and to guide. To help in this struggle, in this battle that we all face. Lord, we all would feel better if sometimes we could just smack some people. Sometimes we'd feel so much better if we could just punch them in the nose. But Lord, 
your word has called us to a higher calling. Not to stoop to the tactics of the enemy, but to rise to the occasion of Christ. So Lord, give us the strength to walk in the Spirit of God. For those who do not know you, let them ask you to come into their life and take over their life to forgive them so that they can be your child. For Lord, coming to church does not make them a Christian and it does not make them a child of yours. Lord, it is a complete surrender of their life to you. It is a moment of saying, God, forgive me. Take over my life. Lord, convict hearts right now that someone will do that now so that they may be able to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. That they will want to please you more than themselves. Lord, the curse of this world is division, destruction, hatred, and murder. But God, your Spirit and your grace brings life, hope, unity, and love. Let us rise to that occasion today. In Jesus' name. This morning.